0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from the University of Alabama. Through Bama by Distance, you can earn a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree with online coursework and affordable tuition. Learn more or apply today at bamabydistance.ua.edu.
1: The thriller A Quiet Place kind of sneaked up on people. That's not a pun, by the way. It's just the truth. The film had a relatively low profile before it opened in early April, but then it became a smash hit.
2: It's the story of a family hiding from monsters who kill anything they can hear. Much of it takes place in tense, terrifying silence, and most of the dialogue is in American Sign Language, and there's not even that much of it. The Quiet Place is directed by John Krasinski, who is best known for playing Jim on the American version of The Office. He also stars in the film alongside Emily Blunt. I'm Stephen Thompson.
1: And I'm Linda Holmes. We are tiptoeing through the very Very successful, very scary, very good, a quiet place on this episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour. Here with me and Steven in the studio is Glenn Weldon of and employed by the NPR Arts Desk. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Linda. And joining us from member station WOSU in Columbus, Ohio for the very first time from the great state of Ohio is freelance writer Meryl Williams. Meryl writes about TV at Apartment Therapy, and she's had bylines at the Billfold and the Washington Post. Hello, Meryl.
3: Hello. Thanks for
2: having me.
1: We are so excited that you are here. You are new to us, but recommended by our friend Margaret Hula Hoop Willison and any friend of Margaret's. That's right. Is a friend right. of ours. I don't
2: know. She has a lot of friends. That's <laughs> true. Uh-huh. More, she does. More
1: friends than anyone on the internet. All right. So, Stephen, you and I saw this together, and I think it's safe to say that we cringed at a lot of the same places. Like, it's a
2: scary movie. It's really, really effective. First of all, I regret bringing my movie snack from home of sun chips and celery. Yeah. <laughs> it did, did not did not work out well. I actually got a, had a bag of Skittles, and you could hear you the individual Skittles rattling against each other in the theater. It's true.
1: It, I've never seen you take Skittles out of a bag so slowly. So in my daintily. Life. So
2: daintily. <laughs> Yeah, usually I'm just, I use my hand as a scoop. Uh-huh. Um, one thing I love about this movie, this is a PG-13 horror movie. When I look at horror movies and when I go to horror movies and you see that PG-13 rating, there's kind of tells you something like, like there's something about this that is going to be not necessarily like a full-on horror movie, right? This takes the PG 13 ness of it and uses it as a strength, it uses it to withhold. It withholds a lot of gore. It leaves a lot to the imagination. And as such, you just wind up hooked into the suspense. This is more a suspense movie than a horror movie, mm-hmm. and I think an enormously effective
1: one. Yeah. All right, Glenn, what did you think?
2: I liked it. I mean, films
0: like this tend to exist in two separate, simultaneous realities, right? There's the one where if you find a film like this and it kind of you discover it at a film festival or something before anybody else has seen it. I think In that universe, I would be one of these people out there advocating it at the top of my lungs. I didn't see it in that universe. I saw it in this one where it is already a huge critical hit and a huge commercial hit. And so expectations do weird things. And that's not fair to the film, but I do think I liked it. I really liked the use of ASL in it. There is a barrier to entry here uh, for me because it's apocalypse fiction in a way. And no matter what form that apocalypse takes, I subscribe to the Tara Ariano school Mm -hmm. of apocalypse survival, which is don't. Yes, (laughs) Uh, yes, <laughs> just, just, I want just, to go quickly. Yes, it's like because uh, I know myself. I know how pampered I am, and You're so, first
2: against the wall,
0: <laughs> absolutely. Like like if I can't walk home and pick up pot stickers on the way, I can't get Bon mi. Or if I have to shower at the gym because there's cold water at, at my apartment, I think to myself, well, that's it. Humanity, you had a good run. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Look, I want to talk to you, Stephen, about this because this film is obviously an extended metaphor for the parental fear of bringing children into a scary, dangerous world. So, for me, a blissfully childless person, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it it
2: probably didn't land on me in the same way it did on you. Is that correct? Uh, I think it has these lovely notes of like parental responsibility that part of the horror in the film comes from the fear of bad things happening to your kids and your desire as a parent to protect them as best you can. The layers of... Of sentiment and the layers of tapping into that kind of fear definitely enhanced this this film for me but at the same time it is also just an enormously effective dispenser of jumps a dispenser of jolts i was saying to to someone the other day that in a movie in which presumably millions of people have been slaughtered off screen Uh the thing that freaked me out by far the most was Chekhov's Nail.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
2: (laughs) If
1: you see the movie, you'll know what he's talking about. Yeah,
0: I want to underscore something you just said. Effective. This is a smart, effective film. It is also, as far as I'm concerned, an Emily Blunt delivery vehicle. Yeah. And the (laughs) world needs more of that. And, uh, you know, and I loved The Last Shot. I'll just say that. Uh, It was my favorite thing in the entire film. So, uh, Yeah. yeah, I liked it.
1: All right. So, Meryl, when we talked before the show, you told me that you are not typically... A horror movie
3: person no that's right i do not watch scary movies once in college a friend took me to go see the grudge and i made my roommate leave the light on for like a week and <laughs> after that, so. so what made you decide that you wanted to go see this one i really wanted to see this for a couple of reasons first off i will pretty much see anything that john krasinski has to do with and i yeah. think he looks really great with a survivalist beard mm-hmm. just saying. uh-huh uh uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but also, uh, so I am hearing impaired. I write about this a lot. Um, I wear hearing aids, and in the movie, um, there is a deaf character, and she's played by Millicent Simmons and Millicent Simmons as a person, and also as a character, you know, the character that she's playing in this movie, uses a cochlear implant. So a cochlear implant is a very different device from my hearing aids. But there was this really cool moment, It's this small, quick little thing, where she turns on her cochlear implant and snaps her fingers to see if it's on. And it's this tiny little sound check that I recognized immediately, because that's the same exact thing that I do every morning when I turn on my hearing aids, so that was pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah. One of the things I also think is interesting about that is that her cochlear implant device is like her father, the character who's played by John Krasinski. Is a tinkerer, sort of. I don't know if they make it entirely transparent what his job used to be, Mm -hmm. but he is now in their...
2: I mean, they're farmers.
1: Yes, but in their, like, current survivalist Mm -hmm. existence, he's a tinkerer. And one of the things that he tinkers with is devices for her to try to improve her, her hearing. So it's... One of the aspects of the film is that in addition to the fear that he has of not being able to protect them from these monsters, he wants to be able to give her hearing that will work.
0: And as easy as it is to look at hot, haunted Beardy, barefoot, John Krasinski. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, new fetish. Uh, <laughs> I'm 50 years old. Found <laughs> a new one, did you? Didn't, <laughs> didn't see that coming, but uh, there it is. And let's all deal with it. Anytime he would put his fingers to his lips and make the shush face, yeah. I would be like, Oh, really, Dad? Yeah. You think we need to be, what, quiet now? Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> uh, it's yeah, I had
1: that same reaction. I was like, eh, I feel like that's all the time, though. So. Thanks for
0: that. Can we just take the shush face as red, I as mean... the new normal?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. But at the same time, I mean, one of the things that's interesting about this movie is this is still a young apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this movie mm-hmm. starts, I believe, on, like, day 89. Jude Law is in
1: that on HBO. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, It starts, you know, maybe three months in to this crisis that is wiping out enormous chunks of the world population. So everybody is still having to be trained Uh in how to be quiet and not get gored to death by monsters.
1: Well, and I want to go back and ask, Meryl, you said that you were not a big
3: scary movie person. Did you like this movie? I did. I loved it. I think it's more suspenseful than scary, don't you think? Someone had described it to me as, oh, it's more, you know, suspenseful, like Get Out and less of a gory movie than like the Saw franchise or something like (laughs) that. Right.
1: True. You're not constantly seeing gore. What you're constantly seeing is a sense that something terrible is going to happen, which is in a lot of ways, at least the first like two thirds of Get Out is the same.
0: It's true. The Mm -hmm. same thing. And it's fascinating, the world building that happens kind of in the background, all we really see is he's saved a newspaper with a banner headline, with an exclamation point, it's sound. And you're like, okay, so they... have so the world kind of grew to this knowledge.
2: Mm-hmm. There's still a printing press. There's still a well, printing press. A really loud printing press,
0: <laughs> and thing, pumping out
1: newspapers. And I think, I think, look, there's only so much you can say about the scariness of this movie. And then you do get to the part where you have to be like, all right,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, let's yeah. talk
1: about this world that these people live in. Because for one thing, the Emily Blunt character for much of the movie is pregnant. Yep. Now, I am not asking anybody to comment upon their personal life. No one should. However, I do think becoming pregnant in a situation in which it is so necessary to be silent yeah. that you have to put sand on the ground. Yeah,
2: see, you don't have be- kids.
1: Because <laughs> I told you not to comment. On it. But the point is if you have to be so quiet that you can't even walk barefoot on the regular ground, if you have to go barefoot on sand, I feel like becoming pregnant might be difficult, but I I will defer. <laughs> I will defer to the man who has children. But I that occurred to me. But I will say the other thing, my thoughts are circling about soundproof things. But there is a moment in this movie in which you suddenly realize, "Oh, yes, they could be listening to things on headphones. They don't just have to be tiptoeing around shushing each other." And I thought to myself, I would be doing that all the time. <laughs> I would have headphones in all the time. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like playing Monopoly with soft felt pieces. Yeah. I would be listening to the radio, I assume. Although I don't know who's making radio exactly. anymore. You so maybe sure? I'm just listening, You're just to,
2: listening my... to your archived podcasts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you probably I'm have enough. <laughs> I was
2: gonna say you have enough to last you hundreds of years. I'm finally I'm sure. catching
1: up on WTF. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, one of the terrifying things for the Millicent Simmons character is not just that she can't hear the possibly encroaching monster. She can't even know if she is inadvertently making noise. Yeah. And I think that's one mm. of the interesting things about the film. And one reason there may be not wearing headphones listening to podcasts is you need to be hyper aware of whether anyone around you is making noise at all times.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: <laughs> what else did you think about the, the world in which these people existed, Meryl?
3: Oh, it was so interesting, although it did seem kind of strange that they would ever once in a while happen upon another person. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I liked their resourcefulness and kind of the way that they found to go on with their everyday lives. I think that it was super interesting that the basement was kind of this walled off area mm-hmm. that the kids weren't supposed to go down in. And that's where the, the dad was doing his, his tinkering and things like that. Oh, and along those lines, I wanted to add, I had kind of taken it, in terms of the the cochlear implant and his tinkering with that, I took it that she'd had a fully functioning one when the event or whatever it was happened, and then it broke, and maybe oh, he was just trying to repair it. Trying to fix it. Interesting.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, there is a lot in the film that I think is sort of elided. They mm-hmm. don't really fully try to give you a lot of details. You know, one of which is, how did these monsters get there? And as Glenn points out, why were they still running printing presses once they figured out that (laughs) it's sound?
0: Uh, Any editor would be like, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) The headline is telling us something. (laughs) <laughs> so maybe we should just send it out electronically.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so just Read it on your iPad. Is uh,
0: yeah. so this Krasinski's first directorial Third. movie? Third. So he's done two films before this, Brief Interviews with Hideous Men and The Hollers. I have seen neither of them. This is, a, as I say, its ambitions are modest, but it's very effective at what it does.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: I think he's a revelation in this movie. I think as a director in particular. Yeah. He did co-write the screenplay. He's very effective, Glenn, as you say, as the haunted beauty lead. But the directorial choices, I think, are really clever. And, you know, when you talk about the alighting that's going on in the plot, uh, they keep the movie very, very contained in a lot of ways. I think that's a lot of just very smart directorial and storytelling choices. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a very, very nice job of kind of cueing you as to what is has the potential to cause noise. There's just lots of, like, little contained foreshadowing. This is a 91-minute movie. And it just is... Yeah. It's it, it, like the plot is not necessarily airtight, but the storytelling felt airtight.
1: Yeah, and I think we've talked a lot on this show about about movies that are overlong and, you know, to the point where it, it's a little tired to say just for its own sake that things are too long. Sure. But I do appreciate a film that seems to have respected the fact that it can be compact and Mm -hmm. that that is perfectly fine, and to actually have this little dialogue. There is dialogue in it. It's in ASL for the most part, but there are long sequences in which there's none. There are long sequences in which either you're seeing a lot of people who are extremely terrified, or I think Stephen made reference to Chekhov's nail, and if you've seen the, the film, you know what that's referring to, but that whole sequence, I think, it's not a novel kind of sequence. Right. It's a kind of sequence that goes after a very visceral, very simple kind of feeling. And Stephen and I were both like in the theater physically crawling Squirming. out of our seats yeah. <laughs> because because of that entire sequence. And I think you have to direct things like that and edit things like that very well. I also think the score is quite good. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that Marilyn and I talked about on the phone, too, is that it reminded me a little bit of Wait Until Dark, which is an oh, Audrey, yeah. Audrey Hepburn that movie that I love where she plays a woman who's blind. And the the changing around of what your sensory perceptions would be, in this film, it's you can't make noise. And for the Millicent Simmons character, she can't hear. But with the Audrey Hepburn character, it's just that she can't see. But when you alter a character's senses, and it's true here as it is in Wait Until Dark, that What you might think of as something that would make it harder to fight back has its strengths in allowing you to fight back. And I appreciated that about it, too. Of course, as Meryl said, Audrey Hepburn, not blind. Um, (laughs) I think we can probably agree that it's nice to see an actual hearing impaired actress playing a hearing impaired character.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, A lot of times movies will cast hearing actors in deaf or uh, in hard of hearing roles. Um, For example, 2016's Hush, which was about a deaf woman played by a hearing actor, Kate Siegel, but yeah, it's just, it's really gratifying to see someone who actually lives that experience portraying a character uh, like this. So yeah, Millicent Simmons, was she did such a great job. And I also understand that she taught a lot of the sign language
2: on set, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I read up a little bit on her and that she was able to sort of give notes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder if the snapping even kind of came from her. Uh, I
3: wondered that too. Yeah, I was like, was that scripted or did she just go for it? But yeah. I, I suspect the latter, but I don't know for sure.
1: I think when you have a film like this, it doesn't seem like it's made off of a word for word, you know, when there's so little dialogue, you have to think that there's a fair amount of looseness in Mm -hmm. what you could choose to do in terms of your presentation and body movement and all that stuff. So it could be a combination of both, actually. Uh, I am confident that many of you have seen A Quiet Place, so uh, I will be curious to hear what you think about it and come and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pchh or tweet us at pchh. When we come back, it's going to be time for our favorite segment, What is Making Us Happy This Week? So come right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Hulu. With the largest streaming library full of your favorite reality TV shows, Hulu is the home for reality TV's biggest fans. Catch all the drama, all the tears, all the heartbreak, all the competition. Because Hulu has your reality TV. Start your free trial today. Learn more at Hulu.com.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp, a truly affordable online counseling service. Fill out a questionnaire online and get matched with a licensed counselor best suited to your mental health needs. Whether it's depression, anxiety, or trauma, BetterHelp will help you overcome what stands in the way of your happiness. Learn more at betterhelp.com and get 10% off your first month with promo code HAPPYHOUR. BetterHelp, get help anytime, anywhere.
1: Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. It is time for our favorite segment, What? is making us happy this week. Stephen Thompson, what is making you happy this week, buddy?
2: First, a quick announcement. We are soliciting topic ideas for this show. Go to facebook.com slash pchh. Whether it is a new piece of entertainment, an old piece of entertainment, or one of those timeless and more general topics that we have been known to take on sometimes. We have already, as of this taping, received more than 150 suggestions on our Facebook page. We love it. Keep them coming. They are enormously useful. The other thing that I wanted to talk about about this past weekend, Twitter was an absolute heap of flaming garbage. Okay. And I You don't say And I kept <laughs> I kept like absentmindedly checking Twitter, going, nope, and putting my phone down. And one of those times when I absentmindedly picked up my phone I saw a tweet from uh, one of your favorites Linda Holmes John Moe oh yes uh, who who tweeted and I quote your most boring mundane inconsequential celebrity encounter oh yeah go this was a good one this tweet uh, as of this taping has received more than 19,000 responses (laughs) including things like I saw Ben Affleck buy a banana and then (laughs) sulk off to his (laughs) illegally parked car (laughs) 1400 likes of course that is dense that's white
0: dwarf dense Right there. And right.
2: so, what you get, is, and that tweet is a perfect example of a novel uh-huh. in yeah. what, fifteen uh-huh. words, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. and it, it is amazing. And I think, in part, a product of how unpleasant a weekend was on Twitter, that this just kind of throwaway, silly idea just captivated the universe of Twitter. Yeah. And I would say, mine would be the time that I ran into uh, the guy who played my other brother, Daryl, on, oh, sure. on, on Newhart. Ran into him at a bowling alley in Scandinavia, Wisconsin. <laughs> That
1: is, that is amazing. <laughs> Thank you very much, Stephen Thompson. All right, Glenn Weldon, what is making you happy this week?
2: This Saturday,
0: May 5th, is free comic book day. It uh, means you walk into a comic book store if it is participating in this particular event, and they will hand you, or perhaps you'll be able to select, some free comics. 52 books this year, as there was last year. I am going to say I've been doing this a while. This I'm not all the way through all the books, but this is easily the most varied, interesting mm. Best selection of books I've ever seen. More books from the point of view of girls and women. More genres to choose from. Not just science fiction and, and superhero, but YA, fantasy, crime, humor, history, and also non-genre. Just kind of slice-of-life stuff. And also, I, this is a personal pet peeve of mine, far fewer are what I call samplers, which is where the publisher jams like seven mm-hmm. of their books together and you get two pages from each. And that's mm-hmm. just not satisfying to anybody. It's, it's I understand why they do it, but most of the books you're going to pick up... Are, you know, they might be chapters from a, a graphic novel or they might be one book from an ongoing series, but it will be a satisfying read. So I'm really only finished the All Ages books right now as, as we as we tape, but I do want to shout out two especially to look for Invader Zim and Sparks. Uh, those are two books. They are just so funny, so clever, so good. So that is free comic book day this Saturday. Go out, make me proud.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. Meryl Williams, what is making you happy this week?
3: I am really excited because it was recently announced that season two of Glow, Gorgeous Ladies and Wrestling*, (laughs) is uh, coming to Netflix June 29th. So you have a little bit less than two months to catch up on season one if you missed it last summer. Mm -hmm. But it stars Alison Brie and Mark Maron. And you guys had a really great discussion of season one when it came out. And it's just, it's a really refreshing show all about women wrestlers. And I play roller derby, which is very different from wrestling, (laughs) but my teammates and I get very excited when we see celebrations of women's athleticism. So definitely go check out Go if you haven't already.
2: Mm -hmm. great show
3: thank you very much Meryl Williams
1: making me happy this week you're not gonna believe it you're just not gonna believe it
2: is it your dog? no
1: (laughs) (laughs) what it is is when they first announced that YouTube Red which is the YouTube content service was going to make a sequel series called Cobra Kai Uh following the karate kid like 30 some years later starring Ralph Macchio and William Zabka It sounded like the worst, the most cynical, the most wretched of retreads to me, hypothetically. It's not. It is, I'm not going to lie to you, cheaply made. Not all of the acting. (laughs) The
2: devil you say. Not
1: all of the acting holds up. But let me tell you what the basically the thesis of Cobra Kai is. The thesis of Cobra Kai is these guys both got stuck in high school Mm. because Johnny, played by Zabka, the blonde bad guy, never got over losing at karate and has become an embittered loser, perhaps a bit racist, Hmm. and hates everyone and sits around drinking beer and feeling sorry for himself that he is a victim of society being what it is. Whereas Daniel LaRusso, played by Ralph Macchio, has become a kind of a slick car dealer who doesn't do karate anymore, but gives away a bonsai tree with every car and says, we kick the competition and sort of (laughs) plays off the glory of high school having
2: won a karate competition in high school
1: and it's on well he was the all valley tournament champion Uh, i don't know if you know that but anyway the point being it's surprisingly interesting as a story about people decaying in middle age not awesomely (laughs) if you have access to youtube red watch a couple especially if you have a soft spot for the karate kid see if you get what i'm saying cobra kai I can't believe I'm saying this. Now available on YouTube Red is what is making me happy this week. And that brings us to the end of our show. You can find all of us on Twitter. You can find me at Linda Holmes. You can find Stephen at I Dislike Stephen. You can find Glenn at G.H. Weldon. And you can find Meryl at Meryl Williams. That's Meryl just like Meryl Streep, you know the great one. And you can follow our producer Jessica Reedy at Jessica underscore Reedy and our producer emeritus and music director Mike Katzif at Mike Katzif that's K-A-T-Z-I-F. Mike's band Hello Come In provides the music you're bobbing your head to right now. Thanks to all of you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you have a second and you're so inclined, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help more folks to find the show. We will see all of you right back here next week ever find yourself saying, that happened this week? Us too. All the time. I'm Tamara Keith, host of the NPR Politics Podcast, where we follow the political twists and turns and break down what it all means. Find us on the
0: NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts.